0: From JFO, hold this microphone, will it? <laughs> Good. <laughs> yes, we have new systems, by the way. We have, a new, we have a new sound system, we have a new projection system. Hopefully, everything's normal, so you don't even know about it. <laughs> I'd just like to add a little bit of what's been said earlier. There's an exciting thing happening in um, Solihull. Uh, the council um, are quite happy for Sonny Hull to be known as a borough of sanctuary. Although there's a, a few things to go through, councils to persuade, but certainly going that way. Not only that, but um, a person called Jazz, who works at the Sonny Hull Council, who's been looking after quite a number of migrants in the borough, has got together with myself, and also a fellow called David Brown, who's the head of Birmingham City of Sanctuary, to get things moving. One of the things it will do we hope, is to bring together the various groups that are working amongst uh, migrants of various types, from Ukraine, from Syria, from uh, (coughs) Afghanistan, from uh, Iran, Iraq, etc. And so there's a bit of coordination between them. And we also bring together the statutory authorities as well, such as the police and the council. And hopefully, everybody who comes to Solihol will feel welcomed and it's a good place for sanctuary. So... That's an exciting thing that's happening, and uh, for some reason they decided to involve me right at the start of it. (laughs) So as far as all, in in addition to all the 3,001 things I'm doing, that's another one, (laughs) okay? But uh, you'll you'll be hearing a bit more about it, because uh, it is possible to form churches of sanctuary as well. In other words, you you identify yourself as a church, which whether we're welcome. I feel we already are, from what we've heard. And also to be schools of sanctuary. So those of you who go to schools who aren't governing bodies, you may find me uh, sidling up to you at some stage and saying, what do you think about it? Okay. <laughs> right, so that's my plug. And uh, I've been given the uh, subject, Wisdom in the Waiting. And as to base it on what Isaiah says. I am waiting have you ever been in that category? Have you ever found it difficult to be in that category? Would you rather not be in that category? Would you rather things be happening? Well, I am, have, certainly. I'm now waiting for the uh, remote to uh, turn on and start working. <laughs> right, okay. It'll go green sometime. Ah, oh, that's a good sign. Hello? Yeah, the, the detectors up there somewhere. It worked perfectly, rehearsal. Okay, fine. <laughs> what I'm sharing to you is very much countercultural. Do you know how it is? And we find this in various fields as well. As Christians, we seem to be swimming in the opposite direction. Everybody seems to be going a particular way, a particular direction, and yet we. Are called almost to swim in the opposite direction, that, that little fish there. And the wisdom that I'm going to talk about now is countercultural. And Paul speaks about the wisdom of God being different from the wisdom of people. And he was, had the same thought. I don't know whether anybody knows who Frankie Avalon was, apparently, he was in Greece. <coughs> I don't remember him. Anyway, he pointed out something very interesting. Everybody wants instant gratification for everything. It's all got to be like fast food. You want a hamburger now. You get it now. That's tough enough on a burger. It's impossible with a relationship. Yet we want instant relationships as well. It's tough, isn't it? But at least there's a recognition that the instant gratification culture, which is one I suggest we need to swim against, is prevalent in society. And a feeling that, yeah, maybe we're not swimming in the right direction. Let's see where Isaiah finds himself. Um, there have been a lot of discussions over the years about how many Isaiahs there are who have written parts of the book of Isaiah as we know it. I'm not going to get into that. But certainly in chapters 40, Isaiah was addressing a people who were in exile. Whether he was looking forward to it or it was happening, I it doesn't really matter. Because Isaiah was speaking the word of God into that situation. People who have been in exile for 70 years and people who are conscious of their sin. If you look at Isaiah, Isaiah starts by being very scathing of the people of Israel. But here, the word is totally different. Comfort. Comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Very much a picture like I've shown here of a a mother speaking tenderly to her child. Yes. Think of that that child might have been naughty, but had the punishment, etc. And now there was a time when he said sorry to speak tenderly. And that's the essence of what Isaiah was saying. Yeah, they were waiting for things to happen. And part of the wisdom in the waiting is speaking tenderly. That's what God does to us. When we find ourselves in that situation, when we recognise the fact that we've got ourselves in a bit of a situation ourselves by what we've done, but we've said sorry, we've repented, then God is a God who speaks tenderly. And what God is saying through Isaiah is, you speak tenderly as well in that situation. Tenderly, because there's waiting still going on. Now, when we speak of waiting, it's very easy to think of ourselves as doing nothing. But that is not the message of Isaiah. Because he says, a voice of one calling the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway to our God. And Isaiah was using a construction metaphor. Now, What I've got in front of uh, uh, me now and what you've got up there is construction going on in Birmingham. I go past it every week as chaplain. Yes, at some stage they're going to put the uh, HS2 into Birmingham. And in fact, just where we are, there's going to be quite a, a viaduct and it'll make the way straight for a railway line from London to Birmingham. I'm not going to say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing because I know there are other views, but I'm just saying that's the metaphor that Isaiah uses. yeah, they wouldn't have been building great big things like that, but they sometimes would build roads for the king or the emperor to come through, and they would be making the the windy path straight they would be built they would be knocking. Uh, parts of hills down, and making it nice and level, just like you would do with a railway track. And that's what, what Isaiah is saying to you. I want you to wait, but I want you to be prepared. So waiting is not a lazy thing of sitting around all day. And the thing that uh, John the Baptist said, because he actually um, referred to this passage, was waiting for Jesus to come the first time. And we are waiting for Jesus to come the second time. It may or may not be in our lifetime, but what he says is, while we're waiting, prepare the way of the Lord. How do we prepare? We prepare by speaking about what God has done to others. So the wisdom of the waiting is the wisdom of preparing because one day Jesus will come. The wisdom of assurance. We go on to that as well. With every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill will be made low. The rough grounds shall become level and the rugged places are plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. An assurance that God's glory would be here. So why have I put a picture of the cross or three crosses on the screen. Was this the idea that Isaiah had in mind of the Saviour coming in glory? But that glory is the glory of the cross. I don't know whether Isaiah had any insight on that. He did, actually, because in, in... Chapter 53, it speaks about the Sermon of the Lord's Suffering. And maybe I thought, I've got to write this down because God has told me to say it, but I'm not too sure what it's about. Of course, it is revealed. And we see God's glory in the cross, the glorious salvation that he brought to us. And as we're waiting in this world, we're looking forward to another glorious occasion, which I've already referred to. And the fact is that Isaiah is saying, this is assured. However black things look at the moment, however you are conscious of your sin and what is going on and being exiled and all those sort of things, you can be assured that God is going to, is at work and will come in glory, and it says that all the people will see it together, just like people gathered around the cross. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, earlier, <laughs> I accused Becky of reading my sermon. You <laughs> remember what she was talking about? <laughs> yeah. Do we ever complain? Have you ever been on the phone ringing somebody up, ringing an organisation up, and they say, if you want so-and-so, press one, if you press so-and-so, two, et cetera, and you find that and you press, ah, three is the one I want to press. And then you have a call which says, you are 490th in the queue, but our call matters to you. And when that happens, are you like me who wants to smash the throne through the wall? No, you're not. Okay, well done. (laughs) Sometimes, it can seem like that with God. (laughs) And Isaiah realised that. Why do you complain, um, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden to the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God although they didn't have televisions like that, it may seem that their prayers was 490th in the queue. (laughs) And yeah, they did realise that that call, that prayer was important to God, but nothing was happening. Go back to where we are. Wisdom is part of realising that whatever things look like, God is listening to us. He is answering his prayer, but he's answering in his time, which is not our time. And I have to learn that again and again and again. And I don't know whether anybody else is in the same category. And a few people are smiling, so yes, Fran's even putting up her hand. (laughs) So thank you, Fran. You and me, (laughs) we, we feel the same about these things. The next one is to, and this really is the thing that follows. We're complaining to God, why don't you do anything? And what Isaiah is saying is, you're talking about the creator. You're talking about the person who's infinite in wisdom and power and authority. He's saying the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Which is great, because despite the fact that I go on uh, to God and pray to him ever, ever so often about all these things, he doesn't actually grow weary of me. He's got more patience than anybody else, I can tell you. And he's like that with all of us. The wisdom is knowing that Jesus is the great creator. He can do everything and he never gets tired of listening to us and he is working even though there is a lot of waiting. And then Isaiah talks about our frailty. And... (laughs) We can seem very frail, even if you don't mind me saying so, when you're walking around with a crutch. <laughs> and that's uh, something that happened in, I think it was uh, Olympic Games or something, where you know, this lady, a Dutch lady, had trained and trained for years and years and years, come to the one peak event where she needs to perform, and she fell over or tripped over, or somebody tripped her over. Just recognising the frailty. And Isaiah recognises that we very often feel frail as well. That's why he said he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and faint. But it's in our frailty that we realise how much we depend upon God. I'm never grateful about things happening, like tripping up or doing things like that. But I do recognize that in my own frailty, and also when I mess up sin-wise, that God is still there, and he can give me strength to pick myself up and to get on with what he wants me to do. Isaiah then gets use three illustrations. And the interesting thing, if, if he was just a motivational speaker, he would have done them the opposite way round. He would have said things like, they will walk and not be faint. And he hopes that somebody in the congregation will say, amen, brother. And then he would say, they will run and not grow weary and hopefully a few people in the congregation of them waking up. And finally he would have said, and they will soar on wings like eagles. And hopefully at that time, the whole of the congregation would be saying, hallelujah brothers. But Isaiah doesn't do that. He actually does the opposite. He starts by saying that we will soar with wings like eagle. Yes, as we wait. And as things come to fruition, there will be times when we feel just in the right position with God. We're praying, praising, we're praying with Him and all those sort of things. And that's good, that, that happens. And God can bless us in those times. I've known many times like that in my life. And I'm very, very grateful to him for that. And I hope that you have as well. I'd love to feel that you're in that position at the moment. But Isaiah then moves from those who are soaring to those who are running. I think I've said a number of times before that one of the things I get involved with is run. Every Saturday morning at Babs Mill go out with a whole lot of people who have now become my good friends. And one of them there is called Emma. And she doesn't run. She's not always one of the first. In fact, she uh, her times are normally about the 28, 29 minute mark, which are the same as mine when I'm really fit. Not at the moment, I must admit. But she runs. And she does her best to run. And she enjoys running and everything like that. Some of us may find ourselves in this situation where soaring is not really where we are at the moment. But God can still give us the energy to run and to run the race and to be there for others to do these things which he wants us to do and to encourage each other as we run in our life. So That's a lady called Emma. Another guy called Emma. Keith, he's in a different situation, he's had bad knee problems for a, long, a large amount of time he has to walk with two sticks but he always walks the park run, not only that, he goes out beforehand uh, very often picking up litter and he's a great bloke very, very much uh, there, but he's a walker he can't run and Jesus blesses us when we can't even think of running, never mind about soaring. He will, he's the one who will be able to give us the ability to walk and not be faint. And I think Isaiah is saying that as we wait together for Jesus to come, he says we wait together for other things to happen. He wants us to honour those who are soaring, He wants us to honour those who are running and he wants us to honour those who are walking because each of us and I don't know what category you put yourself in but each of us is so important and the wisdom is a wisdom of recognising in our own people those who are in those particular positions. Now I said earlier that. It's all countercultural. We're swimming in the opposite direction to others. But as I was preparing this, I thought, no, actually, there are people who realize that waiting has its own value, and the instant gratification culture is not for them. And there's been something in the news recently which really has emphasized that to me. And I wonder whether anybody can think of what it is. Give you a clue. (laughs) The queue. Anybody from here been in the queue in London? I haven't, but a lot of people did, waiting for up to 24 hours To be able to go into Westminster Hall and pay respects to the manager, uh, to Her Majesty. So there are people who are actually realizing that there are times when you have to wait and wait quite a long time. And some of the testimonies are interesting because I think they've actually got a lesson for us. Join the queue at 1am. Nearly eight hours later, I had paid tribute to Her Majesty, witnessed some history, and made some new friends, an experience that is well worth the wait. Can you relate that to us as we wait together, making new friends and deciding that it's well worth the wait? If anybody has a spare 12 hours, do it. It's good for the soul. Interesting that. Good for the soul. I think we are somehow involved in doing things which are good for the soul. I hope you are anyway. <laughs> You'll meet people you never normally meet. You laugh, moan, and stroll together. And it has a beautiful, moving ending. Does that ring a bell somewhere? The slowest way to view London. we walked quickly, slowly, and stopped. Sometimes briefly, sometimes for much longer, but always with patience and good humour. No pushing, no hard words. Got a shiny medal to wear later this evening. Funny, never worn it before, but today seemed to be the right occasion to take it from the drawer. After all, It was given in her name. Today's been a great way to experience London and stuck in the atmosphere at such a time. There's a lot of wisdom from the queue, in fact. I've just taken a few things like, yes, it was long, but it was worth it. Yet, sometimes our waiting can be long. Are you like me, who've been praying for years and years, for people close in your family to become Christians. It's been a long time, and with me, in our family, it hasn't happened yet. It has a beautiful moving ending about what Isaiah said. We are looking forward to the ending, which will be the start of something new when Jesus comes again. But there are other endings as well. Endings such as when finally our prayers are answered. And I'm really encouraged in this uh, church. There are so many people who prayed for others to become Christians. They have done. A beautiful moving ending, but also the beauty of moving has started the same. And we can be assured of the same. Making new friends. As we wait together. Whatever we're doing here. We can make new friends. We can invite people uh, in and they can become friends as well as that is. Yeah, sometimes there's a bit of laughing and moaning and struggling together. Yeah, we've done a bit of that in the last few years, haven't we, <laughs> at Dalton? But it's the essence of uh Christian fellowship and mission, making new friends, sharing experience together. But the main thing I said is, what they all seemed to feel, that the queen deserved it. She was just such a great servant of God and of the people. And they felt that it was she deserved all the waiting in the queue so they could actually pay their respects. But the queen herself recognized that there was one greater, the king of kings. And so... When things are difficult, and they will be in the Christian life. When it seems that nothing is happening and we're waiting for a long, long time. Just remember that our waiting is part of our worship and our serving the King of Kings. Right, is it? Ah, yes. Yes, I think now, if I've looked at this, um, we're going to sing together just before communion. And it's a, to me, a new setting of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which I found really beautiful. And I've heard the worship group do it already, and it sounded really great, so I'm looking forward to this. <laughs>